You're listening to the Tell Me More podcast. We're masters of international business students at the Darla Moore School of Business. And each week we're sitting down with students, professors, and experts in the field to tell the stories that connect us around the globe. Join us this week as KJ and I hear from Mo Faudel, a candidate and adjunct professor here at the Moore School and a former human rights lawyer and political activist. He's also an all around great person and friend to many in the program. We hope you enjoy, stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Hi guys, welcome to the Tell Me More podcast. I'm Maggie and this is KJ. Hello. Hi KJ. And today we're going to be interviewing Mo Bottle. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Um, I'm really excited that you're Me too. that you're on here. Um, you look super professional with yeah, the mics and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna, we need more mics eventually. Yeah. Hopefully we can get funding. Um, like someone sends that to Angel for fun, please. <laughs> So I'll read your bio real quick, just as an introduction, so everybody kind of knows a little bit bit about you. So Yumo, you're from Egypt, and you received your Bachelor's of Law in 2011 there. And then you moved to the United States in 2015, where you received your Master's in International Legal Studies from Washington College of Law. And then you're now pursuing the dual degree, as if you didn't have enough degrees, you're pursuing (laughs) the dual degree of Master's of International Business and, I assume, Strategy and Management from Darla Moore and ESCP in Paris. Yes. And you are also an adjunct professor of Introduction to International Law and Human Rights here at USC. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you really like school. (laughs) No. (laughs) Just keep having it to me. (laughs) Yeah, wait, didn't you say that your mom the other day was like, you need to stop pursuing all these masters? Yeah, she's like, do BHD. Like yeah. Just do it. Yeah, no. (laughs) But you don't don't think you will do it. No, BHD I think it's like uh, especially if you're doing it uh, at the US, it takes like seven years. I'm like I don't wanna commit to anything in my life like for seven years. Yeah. I have commitment issues, (laughs) especially with education, so I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about like what's your what's your plan right now? Like what do you want to be doing with the international business degree here at USC? So um as you said, like in 2016, I finished, like I came to the US 2015 and I got like, I finished my, uh, I joined the International Legal Studies program at uh, Washington College of Law at the AU in DC. And I did masters uh, mm-hmm. of uh, International Legal Studies uh, with two specialization, uh, gender and law, because like I used to work with, uh, for women rights and LGBTQ uh, mm-hmm. rights. And uh, the other specialization was uh, international human rights. Uh, and like as all of us know like in 2017 like in the u.s like all of like yep. the black lives matter like exploded more than before and uh the me too movement like later than that like mm-hmm. after that so uh my idea of coming to business school is just like hoping to join one of the um, the new department in like big corporates is like the social responsibility yeah. so uh i think like people like me was like some knowledge about like human rights and like social movements mm-hmm. uh, and like uh, stuff like that would I would be a good contribution like uh, pushing like big corpus to give some money to social movements and like yeah. uh, some like uh, um, uh, how you call it like uh, I don't know like just social change kind of stuff like, yeah I mean, just like think outside of just like making profits and yeah. like give something back to society so uh, I think especially this year everybody's been more aware and at least pushed to do it because it's like if you're not on board now then you're just kind of embarrassing yourself or yeah 
And I, mean, I, I don't know how else to say it, but it's kind of tr- it's true. Yeah, and it's like, so my fear about that, like, and why I want to do that job, like myself, not just like supported, mm-hmm. is like everything happens right now as a trend. So it's going to be yeah. trendy that like uh, Bipsy would like uh, do like... With Kendall Jenner? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and like it ends up like the wrong way to do yeah. it. And other people would like do other stuff and like we come to the cancel like uh, culture and like we're going to keep doing stuff like at the moment and like after like a few months, something else happened and people for forget about like why we were doing like the other thing yeah so i'm hoping to like uh work for like a multinational like mm-hmm. uh, company that has like some involvement in different societies in different countries so like mm-hmm. i can contribute like uh the most from yeah. my side uh so let's hope like after i finish i will actually get one of those jobs yeah i don't know in the seven years you could have gotten your phd that's like four more masters right? <laughs> yeah i think like i just like have like uh still like some wall in my office like need some frames <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um can you think of any like multinationals that you think do a good job with human rights and social movements and grassroots movements right now uh, I can say, like, in the top of my head, like, a specific, like, uh, corporates, like, doing the kind of job I would love, like, to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, like, uh, most of them are still starting. Uh, but, like, we're seeing, like, in the last year, we're seeing, like, more corporates, like, having scholarships for uh, more uh, marginalized groups, like, mm-hmm. to get, like, more education. Like, we're seeing stuff like that. Uh, it's, like, a good start. Uh but like mainly like it's still happening more from like uh, NGOs like supporting like those social movement and like mm-hmm. any um, small like marginalized group. So it's not happening that big from like corporates. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully like in the future like in the near future stuff keeps getting like uh, progressing more. Mm-hmm. And I also want to be fair like with COVID like they like those big corporates like care about like profits yeah so when something like that happens they need to assign like some kind of fund for like the social responsibility part and with COVID and like with a loss of like profits or like mm-hmm. limited profits right now I mean most of them doing what they can do so yeah let's hope for more um and I think like what I see more from especially in the US like stuff like the NBA like they do more like uh social responsibility works than other like uh other like big uh, entities yeah um, there is also like uh, multinational companies as like um, the Marriott mm-hmm. now they have actually a division for like human rights not just Marriott? like yeah like hotels yeah yeah okay. so they, it's like for like is it, they have job titles for like human rights not just like for social responsibility to work like in any like, mm-hmm. like just like for human rights so that's like a big new field that mm-hmm. like would need like lots of people to actually focus on it and keep that moving and like uh, keep uh, making some um, success I think yeah that's awesome I'm mm-hmm. happy you want to be one of those people when you were first uh, going into Washington did you have an idea that you wanted to do a role kind of like that so uh, after I finished like my law school back in Egypt um, that was at like a tricky time it was like in 2011 so like we had the revolution and uh, from 2004, I was like already politically active. So like I was like a leader in like student group, like in my university. Uh, that puts me in lots of trouble, <laughs> like back in <laughs> Egypt, like in uh, in the law school. And uh, in 2011, when we when the revolution happened, I was also like part of the group, like in my hometown or like my state that like led uh, the movement. So I was already like super active in like the human rights and like all of that kind of stuff. 
and after finishing law school, like actually my first goal was like be a corporate lawyer so I can make like some decent money and like yeah. by, by my age right now, I would just like, I can do whatever I want. But I did it <laughs> I like the retire. other way. Yeah, <laughs> I did it the other way. So like because of uh, the, what was happening in Egypt. So in 2011, we had like the revolution and we kicked Mubarak, which was like the president of Egypt for like 30 years. Uh, and there is like lots of similarities about like that moment in Egypt and here because like it started because of police brutality so like when we actually were like marching the mm -hmm. idea wasn't like we're, we're making a revolution we're kicking like him out mm -hmm. we're, we're actually marching to stop like police brutality we were like targeting the minister of uh, interior uh, like the head of the police in Egypt yeah. so that was a full target of it uh, but like it exploded like I mean the for 11 days and then like we continued till like 2013 so uh, going back to what I was trying to say that like I finished law school and I started working as a human rights lawyer because of like the context of that right. moment mm -hmm. um, I was recruited to work for an NGO called um, the Egyptian Center for uh, Economic and Social Rights mm -hmm. uh, and through them I co-founded like a criminal justice unit where we had like uh, to work with like people uh, who were victims of police brutality during like the marshes, like uh, families who lost like people because of police brutality, mm -hmm. uh, women who got like uh, sexually assaulted by the state, like all of that kind of stuff. Right. And I also, um, like I was lucky to have a boss who actually believed in me in such young age because I was like, what, like 24? Or 25 so young yeah, yeah. and I and I was like uh, managing a whole unit so like he was like he just like throw me Dang. and my first actually my first case like uh, I talked to him and I was like I want to do more more international law uh, so let's like think about uh, using the international law as a way of like fighting with the government because like when we when you do that you just like uh, get it out of your yeah, like your domestic uh, context. So like when you do international law, you can actually go with like uh, the media and like all yeah. of the advocacy and stuff like outside. So he made me write a case against the um, Egyptian government at that time. They wanted to get a fund from the I, um, IMF, uh. and I wrote that case. And it was against like the president and the prime minister with the IMF funds. And I was like, do you really want me to do that? Like, I mean, like, so like he, like... Um, and will you just share what the IMF is? Yeah, the International Monetary Fund. Okay. And um, he was like super supportive. So like I got a chance, like, um, like to cut some time in my career. So like at some point, like I focused more into international law because like for me, like incorporating international law into domestic setting, uh, it gives you like uh, two steps ahead, like to actually fight back in the legal system and yeah. like achieve more like uh, um, uh, of your targets. Okay. Yeah. So when I came to DC, I was already like a human rights lawyer and legal researcher. I was like already like specialized in international human rights. Okay. And I got recruited for that school uh, through like a, another scholarship. Um, it's the Open Society Foundation. I don't. I know like lots of people like here don't like uh, George Soros, but like it's. <laughs> so, no, tell it. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? So yeah, I was like, I had like the Open Society Foundation like award mm -hmm. for. Uh, um, One of the many things that. Yeah, I keep. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to remember like what is that award called? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's been when too long. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's when you like have so many awards, awards yeah, it's like civil society <laughs> leadership award. Uh -huh. And through that, I got like a scholarship, a full scholarship in uh, American University, uh, Washington College of Law, and um, it's one of the best places actually to learn about human rights because yeah. the staff is like, uh, like, 
they're all pioneers like in human rights so like mm-hmm. I studied under like some people like uh, Juan Mendez which was like uh, uh, he was like the head of the Inter-American Commission at some point mm-hmm. and he was like the uh, uh, special rapporteur for uh, anti-torture and uh, yeah. human integrating uh, treatment in the UN so like those people actually wrote like the laws that like we uh, discussed like in courts on like legal research yeah and like I got that are like benchmarks today. Yeah. yeah so that was like super cool and DC is like uh, was one of my best experiences because um, it's super diverse uh, people mm-hmm. from like all backgrounds mm-hmm. so you, like I like comparative analysis because I think that's like uh, what broad your thinking like way more than anything else so for uh, my classes like at the law school I had people from like literally more than 20 countries at some point yeah. so when you discuss like you're coming from France and you're coming from Italy and you're coming from like uh, China you're coming from like uh, some like from Uganda, you're coming from like Latin America. So like everyone's share like a bit from like their own background and like mm-hmm. their own society. And when you finish like that discussion, you're actually like you gained lots of information more than the reading. You do it for class. Right. So that was uh, that was like a good point. And uh, in DC, I got to work with uh, National uh, Immigrant Women Advocacy Program, mm-hmm. which was mainly focusing on. Uh, on uh, immigrant women applying for asylum in the U.S. because of uh, domestic violence and uh, uh, sex trafficking victims and stuff like that. So um, it was good work, and uh, I w- I helped them. I would like co-authored like a bench book, which is uh, like a legal document yeah. for meant for judges to update okay. them in the new updates on like the immigration laws in the and what's U.S. What's going on? Yeah, because yeah. like we have like since especially since like the new administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in the first two years, we had like lots of yeah, we had lots of uh, updates in the legal like um, especially the immigration. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that like some judges like just miss the new update. So right. like we did like that bench uh, book. So we just like update them, and it would be like a good like legal uh, resource for them. So one thing that I want to know about, and this is taking it back to Egypt and like maybe you growing up there. Like, were you always interested in some kind of, like, activism or advocacy? Like, was there something that changed your mind or, like, put you on the track? Or do you think it was just kind of gradual growing up? That's, uh, that's going to be therapy session right now. No, no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... No, I think, like, uh, yeah. when, I think, when I think about it, it, uh, it was more... Uh, <coughs> sorry. At that age, when I decided like to go out of like my family cluster, so mm-hmm. uh, like like in our culture, like family is like super important. People are more like connected, uh, stuff like that. So like I spent my whole childhood like within my family boundaries, mm-hmm. uh, my family friends, my like extended family. So I never had uh, to spread my. I didn't get to spread my wings and like go mm-hmm. outside and like see something different. And by the age of like fifteen. Uh, I think uh, I met a friend of mine. He was he he was completely different because like his dad um, was like more um, like uh, intellectuals than like my family because like mm-hmm. my family just like um, upper middle class normal family like we gonna have dinner and watch TV and like spend time together, and he was like more about like reading and writing and like doing like listening to different music stuff like that. So when I started like like getting out of my family like bubble. Uh, I was introduced to like lots of stuff and I think at that age uh, novels and like different stories like mm. showed me that like it like life doesn't happen only our way yeah uh, 
also Egypt is like majority like Muslims so you don't get to experience like lots of diversity when it comes to like religion so uh, uh, we have like Muslim and Christians and like anyone else is hated by the two groups yeah and we have like Sunni Muslims so like if we have like Shia like just like you don't recognize it, it it's not mm-hmm. happening uh, so like me getting out of that bubble and like uh, meeting other people and like reading about like other cultures and like meet, like reading about like my own history because like our school our educational system didn't introduce us to like the ancient Egypt and our identity yeah um, which is crazy because like when I, I remember one of our first con- conversations was about like ancient Egyptian history and that's something that we study so heavily here in the US and, and I, I remember it, like, so much yeah and it like blew your mind you're like what like yeah. you know all about this yeah so like in Egypt like came so like in the 1952 like um, we became a republic after like a military coup like they kicked the mm-hmm. royal family out and and we became like the Arab Republic of Egypt. And that was the first time we actually like, I sense a society been forced into, and that's my opinion, so like anyone listening, this is like not like an agreed upon, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like just like my personal opinion. Like we're forced into becoming like, like an Arab nation. So yeah. we identify like, they un- Egyptians identify more like an Arabs, mm-hmm. and I don't. So uh, I dig more like my own history and like, uh, uh, other cultures and uh, at that point I realized that uh, there is like communities around me like in my hometown that doesn't have the same like circumstances that I have so mm-hmm. like uh, I never thought about like my friends at school like they may not have like the same nice clothes or like the same nice like lunch box or like the same nice I, I, I that wasn't like registering in my mind mm-hmm. yeah because uh, like for me like my life was the norm that's what happens mm-hmm. But it just takes that one thing, and then you yeah. realize, like, yeah. oh wait, it was like, like there's like, more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's good that you had that, though. Like, I mean, yeah. like, it's there's some people who will go their whole life without kind of having a recognition like that. Yeah, that's it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and at that point, like when I finished, when I uh, joined actually the law school, that was uh, against my family's wishes. So mm-hmm. that was like a huge fight between me really? and my parents. My dad actually got a heart attack. Like what? literally, he went to his, he was hospitalized. Oh, wow. My yeah. Dad, my, dad, my dad would have a heart attack if I made it into law school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, like my family, like we we don't have any like lawyers like in our family history. Wow. Like, they not troublemakers at all. They just, like... Tro- I content. love that you call it troublemakers. <laughs> yeah, they are, like, sober, content about stability. That's why, like, in uh, our, like, uh, brutal uh, opinions, like, I'm sober different from my parents. Okay. And that was, like, a huge thing uh, for them, like, uh, at the moment of the revolution because I had my uh, brutal uh, uh, activism, like, away from them for, like, years oh, and God. years and years. Like, if I got arrested twice, like, uh, like in marches and stuff, and I didn't call my dad. Like, they didn't know about it. Yeah. And um, in, like, the 28th, January 28th, like, 2011, like, the third day, like, at the revolution, I was actually leading the, the march, and we, it happens that, like, we walked past my neighborhood, and my dad was going out, literally, like, to buy something from the store, and the guy at the store was like, your son was leading the group. Wow. And my dad, like, what group? What name? <laughs> He's, like, on his way to the grocery store. Yeah, my dad just like I was studying. Yeah, like, some, at the front I'm of doing a something else. March. Yeah. And, like, from that point, like, I started to have conversation with my family about, like, okay, so, yeah. like, that's how I'm thinking. That's, um, 
my opinion about like that should happen this way right that's how i think like you're you should be like more uh considerate of other people lives and like mm. you need uh and like we started like that broad conversation wow. how did they handle that so we're bad oh, <laughs> yeah i didn't talk like we didn't have like a close relationship for uh like a couple of years like wow. after that um but it shifted when I moved actually and I became a lawyer and like I did like like all the stuff I said at the beginning and um, they had another surprise like my dad's my mom was like just going through the TV like literally like changing like uh, channels and like she came across me in a talk show talking about like one of my cases and she was like what and she called me I was like what are you doing and I was like I'm sitting with my friends no it was recorded so I was like I'm sitting with my friends like watching TV um so my mom was like, no, no, what do you do? For, like, I know you like you work for a big lawyer, but I thought like you just like bush paperwork. And I was like, oh, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I actually like, do. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's all I'm doing now, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they like finally realized that like my different, um, I chose like a different path, but I'm actually like, uh, su- like uh, I'm a successful person like right. in my own like way. Mm-hmm. Um, also, before you, like yeah. I just got to say one thing about like my parents. Uh, since I was young, I chose to disappoint my parents, like all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, because like disappointing them will give me the chance to actually do my thing, and they would like realize it like later. Uh, I have like severe anxiety, mm-hmm. and expectations is like big part of it. So like, okay, from the beginning, I'm gonna disappoint you, so I would feel like relieved <laughs> and do my thing. So that's what I do with my parents. <laughs> so that's that's interesting. You brought up. Uh, being successful because like one of the questions i was thinking about before this and that we've talked about as well is the question why do you think you're successful and how do you define success well okay back to the first of all like i don't i don't think i'm successful you don't yeah okay um so i think like when you feel you're successful that's like when you stop making progress so uh, I remember like fighting with my family to go to a law school and like my, I, I always like set uh, a goal that like I know that I will never achieve. Mm-hmm. So it would be like a way all the time. So I keep going like up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm not gonna like reach it. So it will keep me going. But like if you, if I have like a goal that like I can actually achieve it at some point, mm-hmm. when I achieve it, like, w- like what, what now? So in my undergrad, my, target was like to come to the u.s and get like my master degree in international law and you did it <laughs> and it happens like super randomly so like i didn't have a passport before applying to the u.s visa like to come to the states i did i literally like didn't plan to leave like ever and just like the political situation in egypt changed it like in 2013 and 14 mm-hmm. and at 15 it became like extremely bad for like uh, people in my um like career so uh, the president, still the president of Egypt, like President Sisi, uh, he criminalized uh, human rights work and criminalized like human rights wow. uh, NGOs. And uh, we had a case in court for treason. So like uh, my boss, were, I have like several friends in, still in prison like yeah. till now. And my, both of my bosses, like for the two institutions I work with, uh, they are banned from leaving the country and like they froze their assets. Wow. So like in 2015, it was like I'm like I'm in the next list, and I was like, nope. 
Uh, why? So like I literally like the first time I had a passport was like to go to the U.S. Embassy and like have the visa interview, mm. um, and I just like came here, and um, that also like get me back to like my life is like different chapters, and sometimes like uh, I I hit a big chapter that like ends that book and like ah oh, new book it's mm-hmm. not even like building on the other chapter before. So when I moved like to the States, uh, I didn't have any of my like uh, support groups like in mm-hmm. Egypt and like in the North Africa with the Asia community. I was like uh, well known in my career, like with, uh, among like legal researchers, like an international lawyers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like when I needed to do something, I had like someone to like help me. Right. Yeah. When I came here, I was literally like by myself. I didn't have my family, didn't have my friends. Like so it was like, OK, mm-hmm. we're starting over. Um, did you come here speaking any English? Did you study English in school growing up? I studied, but I didn't speak. I like read. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I had like some speaking because I had like some foreign friends back in Cairo, but it was more like basic conversations, mm-hmm. and they learn Arabic because they come to Egypt like to learn like Arabic. Mm-hmm. So like it was like more me teaching them. So I have the small amount of words that I can handle between the period of time mm-hmm. them learning Arabic. Uh, but when I came here, <laughs> I had a friend of mine in New York. Uh, she was doing her PhD at uh, City University of uh, New York, Graduate mm-hmm. Center, uh, and she was working with uh, Syrian refugees. So she needed to learn Arabic. So when I came to New York, we had like a two-hour meeting uh, twice a week. One hour, she's going to speak with me in Arabic, and I'm going to like speak with her, just like conversational. Mm-hmm. And one hour, she's going to talk to me like in English. So mm-hmm. like we helped each other for like a conversation, and I took it from there. Sweet. <laughs> was that one of the most helpful things you did for the language learning? Yeah, I think like any language, uh, I don't approach languages from um, like writing and reading, like conversation, like make it way easier, uh, especially if you're not like looking for language for uh, academic reasons. Uh, so like, yeah. I don't want to learn about like verbs and like stuff like that. Like just like I want to tell just you, have a I want yeah, give me like something to eat. So <laughs> is that are you planning on learning French before you go to Paris? So I have a little bit of French, but like I also studied French in school in Egypt. Okay. You learn um, three languages, like Arabic, of course, but like that's like uh, the Egyptian Arabic. That's what we uh, that's our language, mm. and then English and French. Okay. And you can choose instead of the French, you can uh, choose German, Italian, or Spanish. But like French is the most common, like, yeah, because we had like the French incubation for a long time. So like, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and French is the other language spoken at the UN, the official yeah. language of the UN. So there you go. Um, I kind of want. Did ask... I answer my your question? Because I know, yes. <laughs> I know, like I'm 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 a bad at that. Like I go broad, broad, broad. So like when no. I when I just like go somewhere like so far from the conversation, <laughs> uh, like when like. No, I think you did. And I think the the reason why we asked that question too is because it seems straightforward, but everybody has a different response to that. Um, And I would assume there's some people like you who would say like, I don't want to define success because I don't want to be complacent. And then there are other people who are really aiming for these certain goals and feel like they'll be content with maybe their chapter of their life when they reach that goal. So that's how they, they would define success. So I think it's interesting. I think it just plays into like, you know, your character and, and like your perspective on life and everybody's different. So it's supposed to be broad. Don't worry about that. And I also like, so again, on success, I think like success is like for me more, um, 
if when, when I look back at some part of my life, um, I do I still have like good relationship with like people in that like yeah. group or not? So, um, that like for me, like I live my life to be happy, like to like that's the goal of, of life. I don't live my life like to achieve like a career success because that's part of it that's not not my life i don't yeah. want to be identified as like more for like the lawyer or like the consultant or like the whatever i want to be like oh he was fun like, <laughs> like he was a good person that's like how i'm like approaching life so mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's worked out for you so oh thank you <laughs> we think you're fun <laughs> <laughs> i'm successful <laughs> <laughs> um i kind of want to ask you a little bit about um your teaching and <laughs> you because you're an adjunct professor at USC and you're teaching Introduction to International Law and Human Rights. Um, and one thing that I think KJ, Isha, and I have spoken a lot about is just like the power of education yeah. and the educators that you have in your life that like literally change your life. I've had those people. I'm sure KJ has Definitely. too. Um, so I just kind of want to you know, pick your brain about that. Like what, why did you choose teaching and like, why did you take that up and do you enjoy it? Like things like that. Um, well, and this is like your first year kind of going into a more full role in that. Yeah. Correct? <laughs> yeah. So like before I did like workshops, so like, uh, I started like was, um, uh, like education and material mm-hmm. back in Egypt. So like I did some like, uh, work was, um, like different group, like, uh, physicians or like engineers or like any other like professional groups like when like I, I meet with them and I teach them about how we can incorporate like human rights and like kindness and stuff like that but like from, of course from a legal perspective yeah <laughs> uh, in your actual career like it, it's you don't have to be like an activist or like you don't have to be a lawyer so you can do that um and uh, I love research, so when I was offered like that bus- uh, position here, like in the university, that was like uh, I was like super happy about it. Uh, also, that's my like last game as like uh, you know like when uh, athletes like have like the last game. Uh-huh. So that's like my last <laughs> game like in uh, human rights. But, like I really don't. I'm not gonna be identified myself as a uh, human rights lawyer after that. So like uh-huh. I'm in that part of my career where like I'm shifted more towards business. Mm-hmm. So that was like my okay. That's my benchmark and I'm finishing here yeah so that was like a good timing actually it works out like well for me uh, and like so far I'm I'm having good students I teach like uh, honor students mm-hmm. so they like I assume like more from them yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. or like expect more from them yeah. um, and so far I have like three students like two of them are we're talking they, like I'm talking with them right now because they came back to me and they want to actually go to law school and like they're interested like one of them interested like in children rights and like the other one interested mm-hmm. like in uh, something else and I have the sort of student who want to do like, something like human rights but like th- not from a legal perspective so uh, she's doing environmental law like environmental protection so like we're like I'm super happy it's like so, like <laughs> so satisfying because like I'm talking about like people who are like 18 to like 20 yeah. and um, they just right now changing like their minds about like what we want to do in the next like 10 years uh, according to the class but, like they were introduced like to a different perspective how you talk about human rights and I think in my class my goal when I first like got that job uh, the first question I asked like am I like teaching someone else like syllabus or like I'm doing mine mm-hmm. so they said like no it's your class and I was like okay, okay. <laughs> let's get ready guys yeah. so I started my class with them just like giving them a broad idea like what is international law because like I don't think any of us like uh, were like well educated about like international law and like uh, everyone have that like nationalistic uh, 
uh, feeling about like their own country and like mm. we don't want to have like the influence of like other people over us and like we get like into fights even before we talk about like in- what is international law mm. so I introduced it to them and then uh, I'm teaching them uh, about human rights and uh, I, we have like a sentence like human rights is about uh, protecting the human dignity and that's like one of the first like lines in the declaration of uh, human rights mm-hmm. so like uh, that's that's like one of my like um, I don't know how to phrase it but like this is like one of my things in my life like I'm, I live by mm-hmm. yeah so it's just like it's about like protecting human dignity uh, it doesn't have to be your dignity it's like but like just, if you see right. something and it's not like being done well mm-hmm. uh, you should like do something about it mm-hmm. yeah. or at least think about it so uh, we talked also about like um, like a broad perspective about human rights and right now we're talking about like specifics uh, and I talk like the rights they were actually interested in during our like broad uh, conversations mm-hmm. so um, I'm super happy about the conversation because like also my class uh, um, I don't like lectures so in my class I was like it's gonna be discussion based class and like it's not gonna be discussion based class means you just ask me and I answer it's like you're discussing it and I'm like yeah. just moderating right so I give them a space to like each one of them like to speak their minds and like uh, from the beginning of the semester like to where we at right now seeing like uh, some of them were like sober like strict about like actually speaking their mind so whenever like they participate they just like recite from the reading or like just say something like super mm-hmm. formal mm-hmm. and at some point i was like okay like um i'm encouraging you to be like the like more informal more than any other class yeah. like you're ever gonna have so like just like talk your mind mm-hmm. so like right now we actually have good conversation like and uh, i'm seeing like some of them are like actually learning about it and like their minds are, like going around it so mm-hmm. it's super satisfying that it's like nice. super satisfying that's cool and so what are some of the advantages you see to like that informal education like climate that you're creating i think like there is a big difference like how you approach like learning and teaching so um, as a student like some of my and some of academic settings I know that like the professor want me to agree more with them so like that's how I'm gonna like <laughs> yeah some people have that character so like in, the, in that class I'm just gonna try to do my best right. to align with his like uh, uh, thinking because yeah. like if I if I don't I'm not gonna get like a good grade mm-hmm. so for me that class is about like the grade mm-hmm. that's my target in that class I just like wanna agree with him so he can like be happy with me and <laughs> give me and the we good can grade. move on yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's other classes like where you meet like so like I had like that history teacher when I was my high school mm-hmm. and that guy like I still remember him like I'm never gonna forget him because like mm-hmm. he taught me about like the informal way of learning because mm-hmm. like we were talking about history so instead of like just reading the textbook he would like tell us this, like in a, a story, story. Telling mm-hmm. way yeah. and we would like participate and he would like tell us like more information outside of our curriculum so like mm-hmm. he would say okay this is the way we're learning about it like in school this is like what's gonna be in the test but the actual history from a different <laughs> point of view from different perspective yeah. because like history is not facts wow. like like your history you know like historians like um, come from a specific thinking right. they write it from that way uh, and especially like I come from Egypt so like we have long history everyone wrote about it <laughs> so like every story have like different like like uh, truth so uh, that's what I do with them in class like I just like um, I explain to them um, the um, political and civil rights mm-hmm. and we read the convention and we read like the um, actual text like 
book and like all the academic stuff and then like I want to know like do you actually what do you think about it like do mm-hmm. you think like freedom of speech is a good thing do you think like do you uh, agree yeah yeah no do you, what do you think would agree I just like don't want to don't give me opinion like just like mm. what do you what do you understand about there like uh, if you're going back home and that's like question I end up like, like most of my classes when we have a big discussion when you go back home and break and your mom I'm like 100% like most of their parents have nothing no knowledge about international law mm-hmm. because I mostly ask them I'm not like assuming someone is illiterate <laughs> 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 sorry <laughs> <laughs> right. so I'm saying like if you go back home and like you're with your family in vacation like in, in uh, holiday and someone is hey how's how's school like are you taking any interesting classes and you mention our class how are you gonna yeah. explain it to someone who has like no idea about like that subject mm-hmm. so I want them like to get to the like most an informal way to just like explain it to their friends while they having like beer and jakes okay. yeah because like that's like what I'm actually gonna feel like successful like right. teaching them about it uh, I, I'm not teaching them to be like human rights lawyers I'm not mm-hmm. teaching them like to take that class and like make a career out of it right. I'm teaching them like to like to have an understanding and maybe believe in some of those ideas so like whatever path they're gonna choose in the future mm-hmm. that would be part of their like thinking like yeah. so in a in a way do you think that i'll ask from an american perspective because i that's what i'm most familiar with but in a way do you feel like we have overcomplicated human rights and like human dignity because the way you explain it to me and what it sounds like you're trying to convey to your students is that it's Yes, it's complicated, but at the end of the day, the human dignity aspect is like what matters the most, and that doesn't seem to be complicated at all. That's true. So like, it's complicated because like uh, it's a law and it's international law, and it's um, it comes by the agreement of like governments. So like after all, like the governments that like were fighting against like for violating human rights, mm-hmm. they are the ones who actually agree into like those rules. Yeah. So this is like a complicated like uh, dynamic. But it's not that hard because like each part of it is literally about like protecting human dignity. So um, coming to the U.S., like the U.S. is not part of like most of the international human rights agreements. Like the U.S. Yeah. is like we're not gonna do that. Uh, yeah, the U.S. is the one who's always marking no, human rights. Yeah. on they maybe other like signs the treaties, but like they don't ratify it, so yeah. they are not like bind. Uh, it's not binding. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually interesting, like uh, conversation with my students about that subject. Um, so what I think about it, like in the U.S. context, when we're talking about like racism, when we're talking about like police brutality, mm-hmm. when we're talking about like women rights, imagine you're having like some minimum protection from like a higher law mm-hmm. that like any government, any administration, any governor any one in power like in the, in the United States like mm-hmm. come to like any office have to do that minimum so we won't care about like who's in office that's the whole idea so like the US were like right right now I'm like I'm sorry for talking about that I know like we have like people have different like political opinions but like right now we're just like appointed like someone in the constitutional court yeah in the most disgusting way that can happen and I'm saying like discuss because like I'm a I'm a lawyer and I like I respect the law and this is like one of the worst ways to have like a judge in that court, like the highest court, yeah. like being 
done that way because like for what like how i understand it like those people should protect us should protect like people in the states mm-hmm. so having everything uh, protocolized in the states makes it like complicated to achieve anything when it comes to human rights yeah because like after all it's like it's like it's under like our political like view so like someone doesn't like um any people from any other religions mm-hmm. religion so like what, what are you gonna do about it they are like now in the they controlling like the federal government so yeah but we had like the muslim ban like two years ago that was like awful like i mean mm-hmm. it's not just awful for like people like me who come from like immigrant i'm an immigrant and i come from a muslim family but i also have like uh american friends who was like born and raised here and like uh not even second generation they like americans american like uh, yeah and they are muslim and that's like how you feel about it like was like it's it's awful when stuff like that happens so human yeah. rights just gives you like that minimum protection so when we when you talk about like women rights um like all of the debates about like women rights in the states and like especially like after me too movement mm-hmm. if you look at the CEDA, which is like the women rights like convention uh, international convention okay like if you think if you just like read like some of the articles if we just like doing that minimum we won't have like that big of like gap like in uh, bay between like males and females at like the workplaces yeah you wouldn't have like that like problem at like family laws uh between like the male and female responsibilities and like uh, the, uh, the representation like uh in uh, the legal system you would have like that much like custody like battles like over like children between like uh parents so lots of like the minor problems we have in our society our societies like anywhere mm-hmm. it can be easily uh, fixed by just having those minimum the minimum protections. protections yeah so yeah. Um, and i just and and we don't have that and it's so broad and it's so vague and then also we have a different law system than a majority of europe as well if you're going to compare it to that um but it, it is interesting to me and i um i think about the eu for example and how uh, a country cannot be a part of the eu <clears throat> excuse me if they have like a death penalty for example yeah and um, I don't know. I just I just find the U.S. to be so distinct, like distinct from that in any of the law beliefs and like our minimum protections and things like that. Yeah, there is like so many countries like the U.S. like that doesn't believe uh, in that, but at least they participate like in the conversation. So like there is mm-hmm. like um, I'm still gonna, I'm still talking about from like the international human rights perspective. So like many countries join those conventions and like have. Um, uh, some comments over like some articles yeah so but like they are in the conversation so like you can sway them like later they can like change their minds like stuff can happen mm-hmm. but like for the US and like um, the few other countries that doesn't play the game like there is no way like to get them involved so like the only way for uh, the international community to work or like from the US activists to work with the international community it's just about like shaming the the government yeah. like internationally on the other side which is still this is like I mean this is like a very effective tool but like it's not a nice tool because mm-hmm. like after all like you can be seen in your own society as like traitors because like you're working against your country was like in other countries so people like who doesn't understand like the dynamic and like how the international law work gonna think of like those activists who's actually looking for them mm-hmm. to be a bad people like bad people so yeah uh it's super complicated it's interesting yeah it is really complicated <laughs> yeah it is complicated i know 
And, and that's why I asked the question, just because, like, <laughs> of course, it's complicated. You have, like, a thousand master's degrees and no. all that kind of stuff. But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's about, like, what matters and, like, what we're valuing and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but unless you want to ask any questions, I think we're going to wrap it up. Well, something I was actually wondering, because we like had just talked a lot about education before and how interesting it was, and you had kind of mentioned earlier how you felt like growing up you were kind of within one idea set, yeah, and then you kind of radically changed yeah. to where you were just <laughs> marching um, for these different ideas that were so unconventional, and then you kind of mentioned your uh, one high school history teacher, and so I was just wondering like how much looking back now. Um, you kind of see some of those conversations of considering other other opinions having shaped you and how much like that now, um, like I guess you aspire to similar things. So something I learned, uh, I never shame myself for like doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we learn from like our experiences and from like my like living with my family back home like to move into Cairo like to have my own career like to have my different I lived I literally lived different lives so like I was like a different person like in those stories each one of them like I learned something that like made me like uh, understand something like more mm-hmm. and I didn't regret like those actions from before right. like I didn't I, I didn't realize I just like I would judge myself if I like understand the right and wrong from my own perspective and those are wrong like intentionally Mm -hmm. that's like when I have a problem with myself but I think like uh, in our lives we just like need to be aware like why we're like like what are we doing like why we're living like what what are our goal like from living Mm -hmm. Um, people like choose like career people choose like family people choose like whatever and I choose just like to be happy and that's like my goal so every part of my life like when I didn't feel that this is actually making me happy I just like take my stuff and like move away like Mm -hmm. it's not that hard so uh, looking back (laughs) yeah looking back at it like I I'm very happy about like all of those like moves Mm. because like all of those moves yeah (laughs) yeah I was like in my undergrad I was um, I was working um like doing like uh, promoting like music festivals and like uh, underground music and mm-hmm. that was like 2009 to 2011 and like those underground bands like right now in the Middle East are like one of the most famous rock bands cool. so like so that's cool. something I did I like at some point I was like more about like uh, like uh, reading and um, writing workshops and like painting and stuff so like we I co-founded a place like in my hometown for uh it was a bookstore and like workshop people come to learn uh how like uh, cre- creative writing like uh, playing music mm-hmm. uh acting stuff like that and after two years we just like gave that to like the next people who handed handled that place mm-hmm. and some of them now are doing like great jobs like and stuff like that in egypt and in europe like they play music and like famous actors and actresses and like that's wow. stuff I'm like super proud of yeah. and then I did like marketing and sales for uh, I did like uh, yeah yes everyone you've Mo, lived so many lives I was actually 70 years old <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I did like a stylist I, I was a stylist for like a couple of years so mm-hmm. like I worked with like fashion and like stuff like that and some of them were like jobs at the same time yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. and then like I became a lawyer and, and that was like weird <laughs> and that was weird <laughs> and now you're about to go into business yeah and, and do like possibly now, yeah, kind so of like consulting each, exactly advising, it's like each yeah. one of them I have shift my mind and like just like mm-hmm. use all of those skills and all of those, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually not skills 
because uh, it's not about me. I like I th- I I love to think about it, but I met like KJ and I met like Maggie and like mm-hmm. through meeting them, they taught me something. So like mm-hmm. in the future, like Maggie and KJ would like help me to decide like on something I'm thinking about. Yeah. So like all the people I actually worked with and I met and like spent time with, mm-hmm. each one of them like give me something, and through like all of that uh, experience, like meeting them, now like I think like some of my opinions would be. Uh, like uh, different because mm-hmm. like I, I don't share the same background like um, like you're, you're meeting me I'm not a normal Egyptian um, <laughs> you're like like that's like something I'm proud of right. that I made myself like the whatever you're different <laughs> and way more stylish than yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely I'm proud of <laughs> Funny. He is wearing a really cool hat for everyone who can't see him now. Yeah. <laughs> Mo Moise has a cool hat, a cool shirt, and cool shoes. Oh, thank you. That's the shoes for me. Thank you. And I, I just thought maybe one note to leave on, because you are this kind of expert in uh, humanitarian actions, and you mentioned you used to do a lot of workshops, and now you're teaching a course. And something you said earlier I thought was really encouraging, which was that like you don't have to be a full-time humanitarian to make a difference where you are. Exactly. And so I thought maybe something to kind of leave the audience with, leave me and Maggie with, to walk away with, might be like what some of those things are you imagine uh, that people can just do kind of every day to help. So, like, the same thing I said before, like, uh, it's all about, like, protecting human dignity. So, mm-hmm. I would I, I would love, like, in the future, if I have kids, um, I would be, like, uh, teaching them, like, to love everyone. Like, it, it's not about, like, your skin color. It's not about, like, the language. It's not about, like, which religious religion your family, like, believe in. Mm-hmm. It's just about, like, respecting each other and be kind to each other. And, like, from there, like, everything else, like like comes actually to good terms Mm -hmm. and like something personal for me so like i was uh, born and raised a muslim and like at some point of my life like i i'm I'm not a muslim anymore Mm -hmm. and i took that decision because like i read a lot about like uh like religions like ancient religions and like the uh, abraham abrahamic abrahamic religion and like some common thing I found like in all of them they started at that note like be kind like mm. be equal mm. like uh, and then like we had like the differences like after that so like I wanna just like take the big part the good part from like all of those different beliefs and if you live your life just thinking like treat everyone in a way that when you're good sleep just like not regretting like doing anything like when you're um businessman or like a businesswoman when you're doing mm-hmm. something and instead of just thinking about like your gains and your profits if you just like broaden your horizon like a little bit think about like how that's gonna affect other people mm-hmm. I don't think we're gonna need after that like to like clean after everyone we spend like more time cleaning after like stuff than like what we're doing yeah. so if we actually just like dude like don't mess around just like <laughs> just, just do a good job yeah, yeah. just like th- like just yeah <laughs> that's good that's good advice. I think we both learned a lot from you Mo and um, I would just say thank you for you know being like a, a positive person within our cohort and like always sharing your views and like your opinion and your expertise like openly and also kindly oh so, thank you so much yeah. thank you I'm really for, glad you could be on the podcast yeah thank you for good. having me for sure. uh, it was a good time <laughs>